and welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. Today, I am talking to Robin Carlo, one of the co-owners of Lennartson Shoe. And Lennartson, L-E-N-N-E-R-T-S-O-N, is a rugged and refined style shoe and boot maker aiming to make style items that better represent people like us, the lion-hearted translates to the core principle we swear by when designing footwear naturally i'm reading off their website (laughs) rugged refined this is our mantra as such it dictates our choice of shape proportion patterns and materials i really enjoyed talking to robin he uh he went out of his way set up his own microphone got a different feed and a different video just to make sure that the audio was crisp so uh and a really tuned in guy. I think you'll appreciate this one. Here is Robin to talk about the brand in his own words. Uh, well, it's my great pleasure to introduce to the podcast Robin Carlo, co-owner of Lennartson Shoes. How are we doing today, Robin? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hi, Pete. Oh. Um, let me just say, uh, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. I'm a real podcast nerd and I really enjoy yours. So I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah, we were just talking off mic about the elaborate setup that Robin's got going on here just to appear on the <laughs> podcast. He's dragged out an old kick drum microphone. Uh, he's got the audio going through another channel. He's got it beaming off three different satellites. Uh, so I really <laughs> appreciate the effort here. Um, yeah, you're welcome, man. <laughs> but Robin, um, please, for the uninitiated, uh, introduce yourself and how best do you describe Lennox and Shoes to your friends? Right. So uh, like I said, my name is Robin Carlo. I'm co-owner and founder of Lennartson, or Lennartson, if you want to pronounce it a little bit more Anglo-Saxon. But that's L-E-N-N-E-R-T-S-O-N for those listening. How would I describe Lennartson to my friends? Um, well, I think most of my close friends kind of see me as the guy who's always telling a story or uh, more frankly, the, the, the natural born marketeer. So I'll probably explain to them the exact same way I do across all of our channels. I think our uh, Instagram bio really encapsulates it very well, which is that we make refined footwear for the rugged individual that's built to last by people who care in Europe. So concretely, there are three core values in that. The first being style, um, not just any style, but one that we refer to as rugged refined. The second being quality, not just talking about quality, as sadly a lot of companies do these days, but actually delivering on quality for us Specifically, that translates to um, making shoes using the traditional Goodyear Wealth construction method and sourcing high-end materials. And lastly, the fact that we're an ethical company. So um, there are no workers in some corner of the world being exploited just because we felt like designing some shoes. It's passionate shoemakers we work with, people that really take uh, pride in their craft. Okay, cool. And so what's your background personally coming into this? Um, so both me and my business partner had no background in the shoe or fashion industry at all. Um, uh, just like to make a point, my business partner's first name is also Robin. So <laughs> that often creates a lot of confusion. So I'll just refer to him henceforth as my partner. Um, but I also want to clear, like, want to make clear, we just launched a brand. So um, we both have day jobs as well. Um, I work as a brand strategist. Uh, for an agency, something that I'm also very passionate about, helping other companies uh, define their brand and stand out in the marketplace. And my partner is a uh, graphic designer and videographer. So what I think defines both of us the most is the factor 
we're pretty all-around creative people. It's also actually how we met and became friends. We've been friends for, no, not more than 15 years. Uh, Wow. um, We first actually, we met because we played in a metal band together, (laughs) um, which uh, we still have some real cool stories about. Um, So through music, and since then, we've um, collaborated on many creative projects uh, ever since. But I do want to emphasize, you know, we're not just marketeers for this brand. Um, uh, We actually design the shoes ourselves. I personally am pretty much self-educated in about everything I've done in my life. So uh, before we started this project, I read about every book there is on shoe construction. I, I cut shoes apart really to understand how the product is made, what what the mechanics behind the product are. So we're um, heavily involved in, in every aspect of the brand, basically. And so why shoes? I mean, was it something that you were noticing in your day job that people weren't quite getting right or something that you were wearing that wasn't happening for you? What's the story? Absolutely, yeah, definitely in the day job. Um, the thing is, like I said, the, the style aspect is really important for us. The thing that we want to be rugged, refined, like the mix of, of the two. Um, so both my partner and I, we kind of grew up in like different subcultures, punk rock and stuff. And we were always wearing like plimsoll shoes, black fans kind of stuff. You know, and then you grow up and you get a job. And at a certain point, I had a decent job uh, where I had to have meetings with government officials and stuff. And I had to wear decent shoes. And uh, especially if you look in in Belgium, Holland, and pretty much all of continental Europe, really, dress shoes are really fancy here. Like they're they they might be refined, but they're never rugged refined. So um, this was something that I just felt was lacking. Um, and yeah, that I felt a personal need for this kind of shoe. And I made an educated guess there would be other people who felt the same. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, how we got started. Yeah. So they're like, you're wearing fancy shoes that weren't really you. You didn't really feel, exactly. I mean, they could be comfy, but you didn't feel that comfortable in them. That no, I, I absolutely felt like an imposter, to be honest. Um, That's the word I was groping for. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was felt like I was playing a part. Um, there's this, I don't know how to, to translate this, but... Yeah, a good way to say a lot of, especially Belgian dress shoe brands look very dad-like, like modest, a little bit posh, but also modest, um, and just very well-behaved and, and well, dad-like. <laughs> I can't explain it any other way. Um, really didn't felt like, uh, like myself. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what motivated me to, um, to try and figure out if we, if we could do something ourselves. And what was interesting, actually, that kind of segues into a question I was going to ask, but you prompted me in the emails about who your customer is. Are they more people like you that have found themselves stepping into domesticity by mischance and now needing a decent <laughs> pair of shoes, but don't want to get the dad shoes or the flashy <laughs> shoes? So who who are your customers? Well, for a part, definitely that. So uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, proposed that question because I think it's a very interesting subject also just from a sociology standpoint, looking at different kinds of people. So just geographically, um, I'm very happy that in the short time that we've been selling shoes, we've managed to resonate with people all over the world, uh, which I definitely wasn't expecting before we launched. Um, so that's one part. It's, uh, it's uh, continental Europe, but it's also the UK, Scandinavia, 
uh, the United States we get a lot of uh, orders from. So that's just uh, in terms of geography. But if I look at like the different kinds of buyers, the personality types, if you will, there are like three main categories. Um, the first one um, would be people that are actually used to wearing the typical continental dad-like dress shoes um, and really haven't ever thought about it. They wear them, they like wearing them, but then they see ours and they're like, huh, that's a little different. And uh, it just resonates with them. That's one, uh, one category. The second would be what I would call the boot hats. So I don't know if you ever see them on Instagram. It's like the same kind of guys who are really into salvage denim and like these uh, yeah. Japanese uh, denim brands. And they're really into boots, mostly American boots. And, and But that's footwear that's purely rugged, not really refined. And what's funny, they're into our brand, but they don't really buy our boots much. Much They're really into our shoes because they look at our shoes and they're like, huh, when I need to wear a shoe, that's a shoe that has a boot vibe, you know, because it's a little bit more rugged. Right. And then finally, the, uh, which, uh, the final category is definitely, um, you know, ourselves as a prototype. It's people who used to be like part of some subculture, be it skateboarders, punk rockers, metalheads, or um, if they're a little bit older, perhaps people are really into like the mod scene. Um, and they see our shoes and something just really resonates with them. It's like, okay, yeah, uh, if, I, if I want to wear something that's, that's a little bit more decent, a, a little bit more dressed, uh, this is absolutely me. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much the, the, the three main uh, buyer types. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really interesting because it's, it sounds like we're not too dissimilar in, in our choice of style where we are much more comfortable being in a casual element. That's kind of what our modality is. And then as soon as you have to get dressed up either for work or an event, like we just mentioned, it almost feels like you're putting a costume on to go yeah. to that place. But these, uh, the, this kind of fits the bill or allows you to kind of slide into that look without having to completely force yourself into something else, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on our website, uh, in the About page, I also wrote... You know, it is a duality. There is a tension, but that's part of your personality if you resonate with our brand. You know, you are both rugged and refined. Yeah. And that's who you are. And uh, so, uh, exactly, you don't need to dress up. Um, it's, it's just who you are and it, it matches. I dig it. Dig it, man. So, uh, right. <laughs> where was the, where, how did you raise the capital? I'm always curious how, how these yeah. uh, brands like these get started. Um, First off, I think I should point out that we started this brand with very limited capital. So um, part of it is just our own money out of our own pocket, some savings and stuff. A larger part is some funds I've borrowed from a family member. Uh, and then we also did a pre-order campaign in October that uh, raised some uh, helped raise some additional funds. But still, it's a, it's a small-scale operation that we're starting with. So um, we produce limited production runs. But I do think, you know, how you raise capital is one thing, but how you spend it early on is, is an, another important thing. And that's where me being a brand strategist and, and working in marketing and my partner being a videographer, graphic designer, we have a lot of skill in-house, especially for an online brand. Mm. Um, we don't have to pay other people to do this stuff or even the design of the shoes. We don't have to pay a designer because we're doing everything ourselves. 
Um, so those skills have come in handy. And I do think that, I think generally speaking, if I may say so myself, I think we're doing a pretty good job with the branding because I often notice that um, new people will discover the brand. Peter, you might be one of them. Uh, and they'll often think that we're bigger than we actually are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I want to make this clear. We are at this point just two friends who are into designing things, who have recently launched a shoe brand. We're very dedicated and serious into turning this into a, a profitable, successful brand. But at this point, we are just two friends designing shoes, you know, if I'm being completely honest. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the website, which is kind of like the front of house for your brand, right, if you're online, looks very comprehensive. It's, uh, you know, well spelled out. Imagery is really good. Again, uh, thanks. you guys are, are doing it all in-house. So it's, yeah, I think you have to kind of harness those skills, don't you, when you're a small company? You, you can't really build something when someone's just got an idea of how to draw a shoe on a, on the back of a fag packet, you know, it's like, that's not only going to get you so far down the road. You might have a yeah. good idea, but it always helps when you've got some, uh, you know, a couple of arrows in the quiver there. Yeah. I don't know which one is better. You know, if you have a lot of money to invest, uh, you know, I'm not saying we're the smartest entrepreneurs out there. We're, we're trying to be smart entrepreneurs, but, um, it's just the way we are doing it. And also, um, we're very passionate about it, but at the same time, the shoe brand is kind of a project for experimentation. So creating different kinds of content and stuff is uh, producing those is, is also stuff that we really enjoy doing. So it's a great place to just be creative for us, the brand, both with the shoes and, and with the marketing side of things, really. And how close were you to calling the brand Robin and Robin? Was, it, was that a name in the hat? <laughs> I actually, when we were coming up with different names, uh, there was one, I'm not sure what it exactly was at this point, but that was based on the fact that we're both Robin, but it turned out to be something that was already in existence. So uh, (laughs) I'm really happy we settled with Leonardson. People seem to resonate with the name very well, and it's not in use much, especially in this more... Uh, Dutch spelling. Um, there, there are not many people out there using it. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy with it. What does it mean? Yeah, that's an interesting story. So, um, um, Leonard or Leonard, like Leonard, how you write it in English and every variant, comes from an old medieval Germanic name, Lewenhart, which means to have the heart of a lion, like lion hearted. That's basically what it means. Uh-huh. And we were like, ah, oh, that really, that really matches, you know, what we're going for with the rugged refined. And, um, that's, that's one piece of it. Um, we added sun because we want to convey a sense of heritage, even though we're not a heritage brand, we're brand new, but our shoes hmm. are being made in a very traditional way. Um, and then when the name came together and more, philosophical if you will meaning to it is we start riffing on the idea like who do we think is lion-hearted who are the brave people in our lives and we settle on the idea that it's actually about our parents so what defines both the other robin and myself is the fact that we're typical working class sons so um we've had you know i've seen him grow up we've known each other for a long time we have parents that really um worked very hard in their life, sacrificed everything in order to get their kids ahead in life. 
which is not really like uh, the idea of the self-made man. It's it's not really a sexy story besides John Lennon's song, maybe Working Class Hero. <laughs> but um, that's that's pretty much who we are, and and we're really grateful for them living their lives that way because it it is something that gave us the opportunity, for example, to start Lennonson. So it, it's kind of a tr- tribute to our parents as well. That's nice. That's a nice story. That's got some romance yeah. to it. I love that. And from um, a brand strategy uh, viewpoint, I think that's why it's a good name because people always ask, what does it mean? <laughs> you get a dialogue and you know, yeah. you're talking about your brand. There that's you go. good. Yeah, if you just said, oh, I just pulled it out of the sky. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, Kodak, to be fair, you know, that doesn't mean anything. They pulled that out of really? the sky. Oh. Yeah, oh, if you ever looked like, why did the guy changed? I can't remember what it was called before. He goes, I'm going to call it Kodak. And someone went, what does that mean? He goes, absolutely nothing. Moving on. <laughs> Still around. Anywho. But if it sounds good, it's also important. That does. It's got to have, uh, got to have a, a ring, ring to it, it, right? Yeah. Um, tell me, uh, Robin, where, oh, where, but more importantly, how are these shoes and boots right. made, please? <laughs> right. So the shoes are built in Almanza, which is a, uh, a small traditional shoemaker town in the southeast the southwest of spain close to valencia um like i think shoe working in in the shoe factory is the most common trade in this town people have been doing that for generations there are a bunch of factories there and workshops um we design them here at home in belgium and i also want to mention that we design and develop the shoe lost which if any of your listeners don't know what a shoe lost is, it's the shape on which the shoe is built. It's often glossed over, but it's a, an a incredibly fundamental um, asset for defining the shape of the shoe, which is a fundamental part of the aesthetic as well. So we, we uh, collaborated with Michael James from Springline on that one. It's uh, Springline is in, uh, located in Northampton, which is the shoemaking town of England. Epicenter um, of shoemaking in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Springline is the last remaining shoe lost maker in England. And uh, we collaborated with Michael on, on designing the lost. So everything is custom. Uh, and you know how are they made? Well, by all these different people. That's that's important. I already mentioned we use a Goodyear weld technique, which is a more than 150 year old shoemaking method that yields the most durable shoes. Um, but the thing is, people are making these shoes. I always want to get this across to people, and many people like it. Really, is we can you know we could brag about the fact, yeah, we're designing the shoes from scratch. Uh, paper and pencil and that is where it starts but i really want to give props to the people we're working with because michael for example in springline the influence he had in in uh, designing the last with us was was very significant um great guy to work with by the way uh, and if we look at the factory you know we had a very long development period we spent up to four years developing prototypes working with four different shoe factories and just to give some reference that's really unusual for most shoe startups most just go to one and they'll figure it out there but we were very specific on what we wanted to do and uh, the, the the partners we ended up with in Almansa, they also have an influence the way they finish the shoe the the way they translate our pattern from a 2d illustration to an actual 3d shoe the way they, especially we have a couple of styles that are like hand painted, they're really putting like their touch to it. So um, there are they are our designs, but in the end, it's really a collaborative effort. 
Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, so that's basically, that sounds like that would have taken a long time to get a prototype together as well. If you're, if you're yeah. putting it through a lot of different hands. So what was that like when you first had the shoe in the hand? Was it a hallelujah moment? Not really, to be honest. <laughs> Did it get <laughs> when the first prototype that we made with our current partner wasn't a perfect shoe, it almost never is, but it was a perfect pattern. And that was the first factory that translated the, the pattern correctly. So um, at a certain point, when we finished our last, which we made with, with Michael, we made a last before in Portugal, but that didn't work out. So that's how we ended up with, with Michael James. When we had a finished loss that we approved, we sent it out to four different factories, three in Spain and one in Portugal. And we all asked them to make the same shoe. Uh, mm. And the funny thing is, we ended up with four different shoes. Oh, wow. Okay. That's how, how, how much influence uh, you know every stage of the process has. Um, so when we got the first one from our current manufacturer, we could see like there were a, a number of fundamental things that were just spot on. And we were, okay, these people, these are the ones that we're going to work with. So and we improved with them along the way. Um, and yeah, it just worked out in a, in a great collaborative effort. Um, and they're, they're, I have to say this, they're, what, what differentiates them the most from the other factories we worked with is the fact that we'll, we might ask something and they'll say, we haven't done this exact thing before. And with most factories, that's where that ends. They'll say, so try this thing that we're doing every day. But the people we're working with now, they're like, we haven't tried this, so we want to try it. You know, they're, they, they really like a, a challenge and that's a, a great way to collaborate. That's pretty cool. I, I also, just as you were talking there, had this thought. I haven't really fleshed it out, but here we go. I've been doing this podcast probably for about five years. And in the first couple of years, there was a lot of Kickstarter campaigns with watches. Yeah. It just felt like anyone could go out, design a watch, kick, you know, cut out the middleman and boom, go on Kickstarter and you'd, you'd have a watch there and then it'll be your own design. And I feel like now there's, in the last couple of years, a huge push towards either skincare or shoes. Um, and yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be people like yourselves who don't have a background in, in shoes, but perhaps have a background in something else that they can apply and transfer them skills to making a brand work. Do you find that the, uh, did you find that this is actually a, a crowded market with people coming to factories wanting to make their own shoes? And do you find people kind of fall by the wayside because they, they don't have the right approach to it? Interesting question. Um, so is it a crowded market? Yeah, I, I guess, but we're doing something, you know, shoe, nobody, well, everybody needs shoes, but nobody needs um, expensive shoes. That being said, we have very competitive pricing, but, you know, it, it, it is a considerable amount. Um, so it is a luxury product in the end. A dress shoe just is. Um, and when you get that type of customer, they're really looking for something that's nuanced. And we are nuanced. We're doing our own thing. Uh, it's not screaming uniqueness. It, it is a, a nuanced approach, like I said. But I think um, 
the market is getting crowded with a different kind of new brand. And uh, and one question that you wrote in the email that I was thinking about is you know, what makes us different? And I think I've already touched on it a little bit. But another part that's interesting, and for me to explain it, I would have to kind of reveal a, a dirty little secret of the shoe industry. <laughs> Something okay. a lot of people don't know, but most new brands and, uh, and some mainstream bands as well, actually, don't design shoes. Uh, very little people know this, but about every factory in Europe, shoe factory, has their own set of factory standard lasts, their own collection of standard models, a Derby, an Oxford, whatever. Um, and most brands will just go to one of these factories, pick out one of these lasts, pick a pattern, choose some colors, slap their name on it, and that's pretty much it. Mm. I don't want to throw shade at any of these brands. There's nothing wrong with this business model. But there are a lot of those brands. Any day that I'm scrolling on Instagram, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'll, I'll see five up to 10 different brands. And I personally know that they're all made at the same factory. And I even know which factory. <laughs> because, I can, because I've been there and I can just see, okay, yeah, that's definitely that lost with that pattern. So, you know, maybe the, the most average consumer won't notice this. I'm not sure, but I think it's definitely getting crowded for those brands. I'm not sure. You know, with original branding and marketing, you can do a lot, but I'm happy that we are different. It took us a long time, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of headaches as well, uh, up to four years, like I said. But in the end, we are doing something that we can really stand behind and be proud of. And we just notice that people notice that it is slightly different. It is unique. Um, we're just two guys running a shoe brand out of a garage at this point. Um, but there's all these people from the United States that you know trust us enough, that feel the brand and the designs resonate enough with them in order for them to you know import them and ship them to them. So that means something, I think. Yeah. And also, if you have a community around you, then the people that do get it really get it. I remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and guys that are into their shoes, sneakers and boots, they're kind of fanatical about this. Uh, yeah. I, I had a friend, he he was massively into sneakers. And at a time, I never really got it, but I do now. And we were on the train to London and his trainers, they were white. They were They looked like they were covered in cement and crap. And I said, dude, what's going on with you? How come you didn't clean these on the way? I goes, this is the design. They're supposed to look, <laughs> they're supposed to look shagged, basically. Yeah. I was like, what? How much do they cost? And he, he said they cost like an astronomical amount. And, uh, yeah. But I was kind of uh, fixated on his shoes from then on because there was something different about them. And he'd kind of had the idea to get these trainers and no one else was ever going to be wearing these. These were like really ahead of their time. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I didn't really have a point to that, but I do know that when guys are into their shoes and they find their brand or they find something different about that brand, they love to yeah. latch onto it and it becomes a, like a conversation stimulator for them. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Robin, uh, conscious we're just running out of time on the zoom, <laughs> but, uh, I feel like I could talk to you for a long time, but tell me what's next for the brand. What, what plans have we got for 2022? Well, um, we, we had a plan drawn out at the end of uh, last year, but we had to reassess a couple of times because of COVID and our stuff. We um, 
we had a little bit of a rough start. You know, there are a lot of supply chain issues going around in, in all industries. It's probably not new to anybody. Um, so we had to reassess and we're still reassessing, to be honest. But on the product side, I can say we're moving on with this current collection. So we got a stock of this now. Um, they remain popular. They're, they keep being ordered. But we're also going to be sampling some uh, other models, probably the same styles, but in different colors, different materials. We're looking to make some suede styles, perhaps some wax suede as a material that I'm really into late of, as of late. Um, we're probably first going to gather some feedback on those uh, before we decide which ones we're going to actually put into production. So that's one thing. Um, also working on a on a brand new design, and that's a stylish hike boot. Um, I've had that mm. idea in the back of my head like since forever, but I think we're finally going to start developing it. And the one thing, it's, it's a small thing, but I'm really excited about it. In, in May, we're part of a consumer trade fair in Germany. It's, it's run by the people from the Heritage Post magazine. Not sure if you're familiar with those. No, sorry. It's a really cool magazine about, you know, heritage style clothing and all sorts of stuff. I'm writing it down. Here. Yeah, they're doing basically convention um, with all these different brands coming in. I'm just really excited about it. And in, the, in that line of thought, we're also looking into the possibility of doing some pop-ups or collaborations with some retail stores. Because, you know, when COVID starts winding down, uh, we really look forward to engaging with people in real life and, and you know, just talking shoe with them instead of always doing things uh, digitally. Yeah. Well, come to London. Come to London. Uh, plenty of great places for pop-up shops. You got Yeah, definitely. We'll love that. You got... Brixton, pop up Brixton, loads of places in Shoreditch. I'm sure you know you're familiar with the area. Uh, I've got my uh, kitten running around in the background causing chaos, so I better go and attend <laughs> to that. Problem. But in the meantime, Robin, thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, Lennartson.com is a place people can go and check the shoes. Spell E L E W N E R T S O N, but we'll put all the links over on the show notes at Menswear Style so you can. Awesome know where to go directly all right brilliant robin take care of yourself mate and uh best of luck continued success all right thanks for having me and uh talk soon all right take care you've been listening to the menswear style podcast be sure to head over to menswearstyle.co.uk for more menswear content and email info at menswearstyle.co.uk if you'd like to be a future guest on the show finally please help support the show by leaving a review on itunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast until next time 